You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. User Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is the podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Britt McCoy. Good evening, everyone. Chris Scales. Hey, Mike. Greg Hectus. Hey, guys. Mason Stiver. How are we doing? Tony Groves. Evening, fellas. And special guest, Dustin Kleba. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, welcome. All right, well, welcome, Dustin. Thanks for joining us tonight on the iRacers Lounge. Let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, tell us how you uh, first learned about iRacing and uh, how did you hear about it uh, initially? Yeah, so I originally heard about it. Uh, it was probably around 2014 or 2015. Um, I didn't really have a, a PC that could run it, um, so I just basically watched everyone else play it on YouTube. <laughs> and uh, eventually I saw that someone was running it off of Mac. Um, so I was like, hey, what the heck, I'll try that. Um, so it was probably 20, summer 2015 or so. I decided to download it, give her a try. And my Mac ran it. Ugh. It, it ran it, we'll <laughs> put it that way. Um, and then after a while, uh, iRacing kind of stopped supporting the Mac without having uh, boot camp or anything. So then I had to make the big purchase to get a gaming PC. And ever since then, I've been rocking and rolling. All right, very good. Um, well, how often are you racing right now? Uh, like how many times a week and uh, what series are you normally running? Yeah, it kind of depends on the week and the time of year, really. Um, towards the end of the, the NASCAR season there, um, the leagues that I was in was also doing their playoffs. So I was running uh, up to four or five times a week between running the league race and practicing and all that stuff. Um, now that it's kind of quote-unquote off-season, I've been doing maybe once a week if I'm lucky. Uh, lately, it's been once every other week. Um, then I'd say on average, I'm probably pretty close to like two, three times a week. So I try to get in there as much as I can. I'm, I'm never racing as much as I want to because, you know, real life stuff, but I try to as much as possible. All right. Very good. And, uh, are you part of a team and, uh, do you got do any leagues? Yeah, sure. So I'm part of, uh, KPR Motorsports. Uh, it's me and two other guys, uh, Tyson and Dakota, um, right now we are in a, uh, backwards hat association league. Uh, they run on Sunday nights and Monday nights, um, trucks on Sundays, Xfinity on Mondays, if I remember right. Um, we're actually doing some recruitment races now, actually. Um, so if you want to come hang out with us, we'll have one this Sunday and, and Monday. Um, but right now it's our off season and then they basically run with the NASCAR schedule. So. Once NASCAR gets rolling, then we'll get rolling, too. All right. Very good. I haven't heard of that one. Now, you mentioned KPR Motorsports. Now, we've talked about them before on our, our show. Uh, I believe it's because uh, you guys met up in person, uh, which is kind of a rarity for an iRacing team to actually get together in person, in real life, in one spot in this world. And so uh, tell us about that experience. Yeah, it was great, man. It uh it's it's kind of weird how it all worked out. So uh, the three of us, me, Tyson, and Dakota, 
uh, when we first met on iRacing, we all got uh, kind of recruited into the same league, and that's actually where I met Mason. And uh, it turns out Tyson grew up or lives about 45 minutes or so away from where I grew up, uh, which is in the middle of nowhere, South Dakota. So that was a weird thing there. And then Dakota was actually living in the same city that I was at the time. So also another weird thing. Um, but yeah, actually, I first met up with uh, Dakota at one of the Kansas races because I go there two times a year. And uh, he's from Kansas City, so he went. we met up there. And then later that year, um, I met with Tyson at the Knoxville Nationals. Um, and then finally, in this past fall race, uh, the three of us finally all got together at uh, uh, the Kansas Speedway to watch a race there. And it was it was a blast, man. I mean, we, we've known each other for probably a year, almost two years now, I think. And, I mean, just the amount of laps we've turned together, it feels like we've known each other forever. So it's pretty cool once you get a couple of guys that are so passionate about something together in person. It's a, it's a good time. So we had fun. Well, we're definitely going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. It worked out with three of you. Finally got all three together. And I think we've had a couple of times on our team where uh, one person has met one other person, but I don't think we've had more than that. Right guys. I've met Tony. Yeah. You guys met. Yeah. I met David Hall and then that Chris and David. It. And I think yeah. that's it. And Dustin here said that he he met me on iRacing there, but he actually wiped the floor with me in that league. Just to be clear, <laughs> hey, you know the first couple of seasons it was it was pretty close, and then that last season, I mean, I you made me work for it, so it was it was a good time. All right, now looking at your stats right now, you're uh, no slouch. Your oval percentage overall five point seven percent on the win category. And uh, dirt oval, 5.8. Dirt road, 12.5. Uh, you have some pretty good stouts on the wins there, though. Good numbers. Yeah, I will got to I'll gotta say the uh, the dirt road is a little skewed <laughs> because I don't run much dirt road, and I think uh, I just got lucky a couple of times. I just got lucky in a couple of rooms where people are crashing out, and I just happened to. I mean, when that first came out, it was more about survival than it was skill. It still is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I've uh, I've really had this mentality of just kind of surviving races, especially fixed races. I feel like they're they're more about survival than it actually is uh, trying to outrun people. So, been able to get lucky there for a while. I had a pretty good hot streak these past couple of months. Uh, kind of caught me at a bad time. My I rating is taking a small plummet with a bad couple of races in a row, but hoping to get it back up here pretty soon. All right, cool. Tell us about your uh, hardware software setup. Do you what kind of wheel pedals? How many monitors? Third party software? Yeah, so uh, wheel. I'm just rocking the original G27, hoping to uh, upgrade here within a couple of months. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but. Uh, for pedals, I got the Thrustmaster T3PAs, um, the ones that you can like invert between GT style and F1 style. Absolutely love them. Um, probably one of the best upgrades I've ever done, just with the load cell brake. It really helps. Um, I thought, because I'm, mo I'm mostly road, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal, but I was watching someone's podcast, and they were kind of, or YouTube video or podcast, I can't remember which one, but they were kind of explaining that 
um, mentally we're wired that our, our foot is more receptive to pressure and not length. So if you're not, if you don't have that pressure to build up that muscle memory, it doesn't really do anything. So once I listened to that, I was like, you yeah, know, that kind of makes sense. So got the load cell break and that after that, that helped me a ton. Um, and then the next best thing after that is I got uh, triple monitors there. Uh, I actually got pretty lucky. Uh, I'm an AV guy, so we just happen to have triple monitors in our storage that uh, weren't being used for anything. So I just got some older Samsungs I just grabbed out of her storage and plugged them in, and away we go, and it was working pretty good. Um, yeah, other than that, uh, PC-wise, I have a Asus G11. Uh, definitely could be upgraded here in a while. <laughs> I, I sound like a real racer. I, I mean, I got all this nice stuff, but there's always more to get, you know? <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm rocking so far. We'll see what happens here in the future. All right. Well, sounds like a good setup. Uh, all right. And then finally, what's your most memorable iRacing moment? Oh, most memorable is actually... I don't know if I could pick one. Uh, one of them is uh, beating Mason at the Quattro's Championship <laughs> in Homestead. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, another one I know that pops into mind is the first Road to Pro race last year. Uh, me and my teammate Tyson were in it. And we took the strategy of just kind of hanging back the first three-fourths of the race. And, uh, I mean, we've done that multiple times in Usually when you do that, you're either caught in someone else's wreck before you can even like make a move or anything. And we were like, you know what? We're just going to try it, see what happens. And it, we just got lucky enough. We weaved through enough traffic. We got up to where we wanted to be. And there's a restart with like two to go. And we just happened to line up first and third. And uh, I was able to push them to the win. And it was, even though I didn't win, I ended up getting six because I got wrecked out of four. But just being able to push my teammate and have a plan actually come together and work was uh, pretty sweet. And then right. uh, probably my, my most recent one is I finally got a, my first NIS win at Homestead this last season. So getting to run 267 laps and ending it with a win was, was pretty nice. That's a full-length race, too. Yeah, yep. It was it was a long one. The, the beginning wasn't too bad, um, and then towards the end, you know, that's when the cautions start to fall. But uh, I absolutely love that track, so it was it was good to win there. I tell you what, I mean, I think winning at a full length race, a full length NIS race, that's just like a step above winning an NIS race. It's just a little bit better, and yeah, congratulations. That definitely is big. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. I I agree. And uh, it definitely helped that my number was 20, so it uh, gave me a nice little boost. Yep, yep. All right, well, very good. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Dustin, and telling us about how you guys met up. That is a very rare instance, I believe. Um, and uh, you're welcome to stay, come on any time. We're going to go into topics next, but first, we're going to talk OBRL because we do sponsor their Monday night event uh, they have the National Series uh, with a huge turnout, 43 drivers at Martinsville. ARCA professional driver Kevin Pearson won the pole, but had to start at the back of the field to serve an end-of-line penalty. Uh, that put Eddie Ragin' Cajun Jones and Joel Jolly Kilborn on the front row for the start of the race. Patrick Scahill gained the most positions, earning the Hard Charger Award. The Cajun led the most laps with 53, but Doug Hass ended up taking the win. Mike Schrader second, Eddie Jones third, Kevin Dillon fourth. Next Monday, Daytona.
Greg, uh, you got 18th to 7th, Chris, 11th to 20th, and Groves, 26th. Yeah, my race I'll kinda, you guys goes. Yeah, it was, uh, I said qualified all right, but just kind of went south from there. I just, uh, I wasn't that bad at the track, just um, the other guys are better, and I kind of have a, you know, I'm a, if you're a 25th place driver, Martinsville is a rough track because, you know, guys are going to just be sticking that nose down there, and I, I just played way too conservative the whole race, but 0x for Tony and I both, can't, at Martinsville, that's, User That's what I came away with, I guess. <laughs> that was something else. Yeah, I gotta, you know, say about the same thing as 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 Chris. There, um, this is most definitely not one of my strong tracks, um, but I felt a lot more comfortable here than I have ever in the past. Um, I, I did make some good passes, and um, I think I ended up taking a black flag, um, and that's what put me further back I, I was running up a little higher up but um I, i'm definitely okay with this finish especially after i've been how i've been running over the last uh bunch of races and and to f come out of here with a zero x um 26 yeah i'll take it all day all right um my race was pretty uneventful except for uh the little bit of contact i had with our teammate justin um he uh, he net coded with a guy and they basically both stopped in the corner and a bunch of us had nowhere to go. We bumped into him, and uh, that was pretty much the only thing, event that I had in that race. Most of it was just running up, you know, doing those things that the Chris said, you know, people sticking their nose in there. I was getting aggressive and diving in just to make sure I could get in there, but I wasn't coming up on anybody. But I just ran out of laps. I was, it's really hard at 120 laps and not very many cautions. They, you know, you, that race goes by really quickly and it's a hard to make up that many positions with a lot of really, really competitive guys that were up front in the top five, top six. Yeah. Track position. Yeah. That's another thing with that zero X too. I mean, zero X at Martinsville, I had plenty of scales moments during that race. I, I definitely didn't drive a, a perfect race, but that's the difference between, you know, a, a good league like that and NIS where you, make a mistake and a guy lifts instead of running you over well and it was such a short race there was no fuel strategy nothing because you know you got once they got to the point where you could go on fuel that's when everybody pitted and it was under our caution all right let's get into topics here uh brent mccoy digging up charlotte yeah apparently this past week at charlotte was they had some uh questionable setup in it the a fixed um multiple people complained that on the forums that it was Digging in the front splitter was digging in, especially about halfway through turns one and then all the way through turns two. Um, someone went and posted up a picture of the telemetry, and it looks like it's all over the place. I'm not a telemetry expert, just going off the past six months of dealing with it and, and looking up race setups and trying to figure out how to dial in cars. This car is definitely, um, the front end is definitely on the track through throttle, through the center, even on entry, it's, it's hitting a little bit. But there's several people complaining, and I believe in the VRS video for the Class A, Rail Fella even chimed in and said that it was digging. And um, I'm not really sure why nothing was done of this. But did you guys notice this when you were racing? I didn't yes. run this one, but... Yeah, was it extremely tight? Oh, yeah. Well, it's tight, and then it snaps loose off the corner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So who's making the fixed sets right now? I'm not sure I know. That I do not know. I know 
Ray does the videos on VRS, but I'm not sure he's the one that's making the setups. He used to at one point, but he isn't right now, I don't think. Somebody else must be. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a wonder why they don't test these or at least do some telemetry on them to see if they drag the ground. or Maybe it's the way you drive it. I don't know. Well, that's what someone had mentioned. They say if you take a more straighter line in, it's not as bad. But I have a hard time believing that because a lot of this has to do with exit and on entry, like um, Mason said, or whoever it was a minute ago, said that you get that snap loose, and that's from that splitter leaving the ground. And um, it's just, you would think they'd put more time into it, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, maybe they didn't, didn't really care because it's um, season one. So, Right. All right, let's keep moving. Chris Scales, Casey Kane Racing Partners. Yeah, it's a tweet from uh, Casey Kane Racing, KKR Dirt on Twitter. Um, it's like they are parting, partnering with Wicked Cushion to form an iRacing Esports team called a KKR Sim Team. And um, I read into this a little bit. Um, I, I don't know a whole lot about, um, about Wicked Cushion, but it, does, it, it looks like they um, are all about dirt, man. It's some kind of sponsor that does apparel, I think. But yeah, it's kind of like kind of read their about me part, and it just kind of seems like they're about everything, everything pushing dirt ahead. It looks like whether it's uh, you know drivers leagues, uh, like you said, brands, you know, whatever, anything to to elevate dirt. It looks like they're all about, and um, and it yeah. got me. I just it'd be awesome to see Casey Kane on the sim. I'm I'm sure he's been on there plenty before but he's got to be on there more now that he doesn't have any, a real car to drive yeah i think they're uh they have a link here for wicked energy gum so that might be like kind of part of their their store there right what's interesting it's just like the formation of a sim team with this you know sponsorship or tie-in with casey kane racing but it doesn't really say specifically what they're going to run or if they have a you know, something specific plans. They're just going to go sim racing, I guess. Maybe it was just Casey Kane saying, "Hey, man, this, this esports thing seems like it might be taking off. I better well, do something." Yeah, he's got a sponsor for it <laughs> yeah. or something, and so yeah. that's why he's talking about it. Yeah, and I think they're going to mainly run those sprints, is what I gathered from it. Because that's what they they've done in the past, from what I see. Right. And you got to remember, you know, they upped the prize packages and all that, you know, for going for pro and. All right, well, pretty cool. Uh, all right, Mason, tire model heat reduction and short tracks. Yeah, so um, this is kind of an extension on the original post that our uh, friend of the podcast, John Hammer, had up. Uh, it was about the the tire model and adjusting the, the amount of impact that heat has on the tires, um, where they lessened that. And uh, iRacer Matt Rolf posted that... Um, he thinks this is absolutely going to kill short track racing. Um, in his experience, he's ran a league race with the super late model. Um, in the four weeks since the change where they reduced the uh, effect of the heat on the tire by 50%, um, he said that their, their tracks like South Boston, Myrtle Beach, Martinsville, um, where they would usually get a, an outside groove built up, um, they were only running single line the entire race. So it definitely affected their league having this uh, this tire model not change, well, not change the tire model, but the uh, reduction in heat. Yeah, 
And this is a very reputable source. Matt Rolf is the owner of SARA, S-A-R-A is the name of the league. Uh, they are the definitive uh, pavement super late model league. If you're going to be uh, the, the good, uh, run the good with the good, I mean, this is the league to be in. And so they've been around a long time. Uh, they, he definitely knows what he's talking about. And if he said that this tire temp thing has killed his racing, he's not lying. And uh, Hammer kind of answered back as well, saying uh, the problem with them just reducing the tire for everyone is there's only one asphalt for each track. Um, so there's really no way for the multiple groups to work because it's currently uh, heat-based. So they, they kind of lessened the effect of it, and that just took away the lane. Right. So that may be explained. Like, when we were running the <clears throat> K&N race the other night, um, the, or the OBRL race, that when you got to the outside, um, the only thing that affected the outside working or not working was the uh, the temperature of the outs, like the actual track temperature that was coming from the environment. It wasn't actually coming from the cars putting down heat then because the outside got real slick when the sun came out, but most of the race, everyone was fighting for the bottom. Yeah, it could be. It makes me wonder about the A car at, at you know, California. Is it going to be a one-groove race now because of this? Michigan, all those tra big tracks. Right. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, we'll get that new tire model soon. I got the next one, Ghostly Laps. Uh, well, we have a iRacer Daniel Steneman has posted up in the uh, forums. You could search it by doing uh, searching Introducing Ghostly. Uh, he has come up with this thing where it's a batch file to basically get somebody's lap imported into your system where you can, you can, you know, run a lap with your buddy, so to speak, and they're the ghost car. And so I was thinking this would be kind of cool for the 24 hour practice. If, uh, you know, Greg would, you know, run a lap and send me a fast lap and then I could put it in my system and, and kind of run a lap and ghost with it and see where I'm losing time could be pretty valuable. They should, that should be an option at some point, you know, when they, if they could create teams aspects of iRacing where these are my teammates and, um, you can, well, we already like, have that. Well, we have VRS, but I'm saying like, uh, like, you know how VRS, you can look at the telemetry and stuff of how your teammates driving. I'm thinking if you have your teammate stuff and then just click on, okay, I want to see how he ran this lap or something like that. I mean, obviously it would take a lot of data. That would be a lot of extra data that's being imported into the sim. Right. Well, so I what I mean is when you go to sign up uh, for the 24-hour race, we have teams already set up of who's in what car. So it already has some functionality to build a team on the website. You know, why couldn't you go in there and click somebody's name, like you said, and click his lap and, you know, import it? Yeah, I was going to say kind of the same thing. Like, why don't we already, why don't we just have teams? Why can't we have, you know, just kind of what to do with the, the team events? Why, why isn't that just a thing all the time? Why can't you create a a team so you can see each other's stats and what everybody's doing. It, you do it in every other game, console, whatever, you know. So anyway, you paste this this text that this guy wrote up some code into a, a notepad. You save it as a bat file, a BAT, and then you run it, and it basically puts the right files in a particular folder, and then you can send that folder to, you know, your buddy. 
And then he can go and put it in his folder, and then he goes into SIM, and then you hit the the tab button where it brings up the splits and all that, and there's a way to pick it right there. It'd be interesting to it would be interesting to see because even if like you could take a chunk of a run, like say you know how we've been talking about the stints, see how you compare over a long run compared to somebody in your on your team too, right? And it's not just one lap, right? We should try it. Um, anyway, this is a, a tool that this guy uh, put together to make it easier to do these kind of things. So That's a good job, Daniel. Yeah, very well. All right, uh, Greg, you got Porsche Pro Qualifying Series updates. Now, uh, just trying to get the name. So Hugo Lewis posted the broadcast schedule or information for, uh, I guess, for iRacing Live uh, and the eSports Network. Um for is it this saturday i was trying to find an actual is it this saturday they're doing it for it's already started i think okay that's what i couldn't find the actual date of when it started but um it was just the information they give the team speak information as well as uh i guess paint schemes from trade and paints aren't going to be turned enabled so you have to send your paint uh scheme through to their uh forms page so that they could add it in uh, and approve it i believe um also uh, they just reiterated on the uh, payout for the um, for the races, but it's Tyler Hudson had kind of made a comment in here that it's still waiting for a final approval for each race wins to be a thousand dollars. So um, championship standings are still paying one through twenty-five for forty thousand dollars for the winner of the championship, and and then Frederick uh, Rasmussen. Um, he, I guess he won, he tweeted out, he's starting 2019 with a winning, the highest strength of field I have ever seen in iRacing, uh, 7,794. And it was only a warm up race. He said, tomorrow is the broadcast race. So, uh, looks like a, I look, bring it up here on the screen and man, there's some high, high I ratings in there. And, uh, that looks well, like that, it would have been, I mean, I think that's what it tells you is there's a lot of uh, high I rating road people participating in this, you know, uh, to get a big strength of field like that. I mean, you got to, everybody's got to come out. There's a 10,000 rating in there. That Maximilian that's guy? Max Benecki? Yeah. Yeah. We've sorry, talked Ma- about sorry Maximilian, if I got your last name. Yeah. Wrong he's there. the highest I rating uh, on road, I believe. Uh, that looked like it would have been fun, but I'm sure I would have been miles behind. So this thing with trading paints, I wanted to go back to that. Um, this seems to be a uh, a new thing that's happening with broadcasting. Is they want to not have because if you just use trading paints on a broadcast, you have no control of what kind of paint they're going to show. It could be offensive. It could be not politically correct. It could be, uh, you know, for only for you know no children no minor kind of thing yeah like the beer and tobacco sponsors right and so a lot of these broadcasts have to say okay well that you know if we're going to do this you have to send it to us we have to be approval you know approve of it you know if we don't approve of it we're going to tell you you have to pick something else and so what do you guys think about that well the reason they're doing that too is obviously the other you know, problem we had on last week's broadcast about F1, you know, taking the uh, the stream and stuff. You know, you don't want them to give it a reason to 
you know, take over or take it down right. because, you know, you want to be seen. Right. And iRacing, I think they're trying to be, or these, these, uh, these broadcasts are being proactive instead of reactive, um, in the event that they don't want, um, any backlash from anything because, you know, it's really easy to, you know, sue, I guess, if you really wanted to for copyrights and stuff. Right. Yeah, and it could be because Porsche's involved and the money involved. And Oh, yeah, that too. I mean, that's a big deal. I'm really surprised that they don't just require a, a, a set scheme with you can change certain colors or something on it. All right, let's keep moving. Tony Groves, Forum Rules. Yeah, um, there's, a, there's a post put up on the forums asking, I guess, a little bit, more clarity as to why one of his uh, posts was taken down. Um, he didn't think he had crossed any lines. Um, but uh, according to Alexander Horn, um, he said he wasn't the one that took the post down. Um, but I guess uh, another member was called out by name, which is uh, which is a no-no. Um, so they shut it down rather rather quickly um i saw the post that got taken down okay yeah see i didn't see the post that got taken <laughs> down so it kind of spiraled out of like this conversation on the forum kind of spiraled out for me and i was having a hard time grasping at uh yeah this what is was the aftermath uh thread but what here's what's happened here's the real story michael bain from main performance posted up on facebook a rant um Basically, he he put up a picture of an email he got from a iRacer asking for sponsorship. Hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm on iRacing, and I race blah, 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 and I have a stream on Twitch, and da-da-da. You know, I'm looking for sponsorship, or I can run your paints and, you know, get free sim equipment, you know, or, so, or, or get money, or something like that. You know, it's a typical, you know, request for sponsorship. And so Michael Main basically wrote this rant kind of thing that basically said, I get these, you know, 500 of these a year, and this is ridiculous that people even think that, you know, they should even be asking for sponsorship when they only have a Twitch audience of 20 and, you know, and blah, 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 and just kind of that kind of thing. And so then there was a forum post, the one that got removed, that basically was showing what happened on Facebook and discussing it. Well, on that forum post, nobody all nobody actually called out the word Michael Main, but the company is Main Performance. It has his last name as part of the company name, and so I, I don't know. Did they take it down because his name was part of the company name, and that's kind of was the discussion, or uh, was it because you know people were just ranting about you know him ranting and or him actually calling out. Uh, people on Facebook basically showing an email of a of another person. Now, did when when he made that post on Facebook, did he uh, was that name you know shown, or did he you know kind of block that one out? I think it was blocked out from what I remember. No, that name, his main name was, but his username was still left on there. And there's some backstory to this, to where. Main performance PC is now, um, if this gentleman gets like 5,000 um, subscribers or something, main performance PC is going to donate a whole brand new computer to him. So, ah, I didn't know that part. 
Yep, that came out like a day or two after he had posted it. So, so he, he ended up regretting it, it sounded like. Yeah, he issued a, an apology and everything, and um, there were some incentives put on there and some uh, sponsoring, I guess you want to say, quote-unquote, sponsoring things. So. so did so did iRacing then take that post down because um, like there was absolutely nothing good that was going to come of it? Um, it was and, going downhill, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So look, that, man, you you take this post down. We'll, uh, you know, we'll sponsor. We'll we'll throw some sponsorship opportunity out there for you. Oh. Well, now does that uh, does that in itself? Because so if the original post didn't name any names, um, and it was just taken down because it was, you know, just there was going to be nothing good to come of that post. Um, is there a rule for that? Uh, you know, everything does this all the time. They take down posts that spiral downward all the time. It happens almost daily. Um, I get a lot of emails with, from posts where I get alerts. And sometimes I click on them and it says, this post doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and that happens about once a day out of my emails that I go through. So it does happen quite a bit. Um, I think they can do it for whatever reason they want. Uh, some people are like, you know, freedom of speech and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, this is a private company. We're talking about a simulated, you know, software, you know, racing game, so to speak. Uh, people need to, you know, quiet down a little bit. It's kind of ridiculous. Well, yeah, I can see uh, iRacing taking something like that down to, to I got, for lack of better words, you know, keep the peace. It's um, There's plenty of other forums where they can have their freedom of speech. So I can understand why they were doing that. Just take away some of the toxicity that happens. Um, uh, okay. I can, I can buy it, I guess. And I understand where Michael main, you know, wanted to blow off some steam and he's tired of getting, you know, these emails 500 times a year. And I probably would be the same way. You know, uh, people don't understand how sponsorship works. You know, uh, we're a podcast and I get contacted by drivers all the time asking if we would sponsor them. And, uh, they, I guess they just don't understand how this works. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, if, if you want sponsorship, you gotta have something to offer the sponsor. Otherwise why bother? Right. It's gotta be a partnership. You know, if it's somebody like, uh, Matt Malone, who has a, you know, a big following and that kind of thing. That's a different story. But if you have 20 Twitch viewers and you're writing an email to Michael Main, you're not doing it right. I have to agree with him on that point. But the part of him putting it on Facebook and all the aftermath, that was probably a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe just a, a, a slip of judgment there. But who knows? Maybe the guy is, you know, starting to get all, all rude because he wouldn't get it, couldn't get a sponsorship. Who knows? Still, it, there's much better ways to, to deal with that, especially, you know, being a business owner and stuff. You got to play your cards a little bit more professional than public shaming, I think. Well, you got to remember, we just did a big story on Michael Bain and Main Performance. They're starting a, whole, a big hardware push where they have investors. They're going to start doing direct drive wheels, motion rigs and other stuff. Yeah, oh. <laughs> probably would have been better off to just ask to be a tester. All right, let's keep going. Brent. In the beginning, iRacing created. Yeah, back in 2004, 2005, um, back when iRacing was still around, they had the um, 
idea of what we know today is the road to pro or the the peak antifreeze series or the uh the world championship uh road racing series and all of that and in 2008 2009 they had to make a decision on what days and what times to run these races and the evenings on tuesdays and thursdays they had always been the most popular for the oval league racing um and everyone who raced ovals ovals at that time and uh thursday they say was prohibited for some real world drivers mainly because of uh what goes on at the track on the weekends so thursdays didn't make sense because of travel day for nascar and and even just your small town uh, local short track so tuesday was chosen as the best option and the oval series was set at nine o'clock eastern time so the u.s west coast drivers could make races and they've carried that all the way through to today's um today's peak series those still started on Tuesdays around nine o'clock. And then for the road side of things that was put to Saturdays so that the drivers could do both championship series that happens on Saturdays and then the ones on Tuesdays. So that's the history of the championship series and how they got to where they are and where they're at today. Right. And, um, what's interesting too, is, uh, you know, one of the reasons that was Tuesday was because Dale jr. Was involved in, in the races at that time. And he was the leading factor in picking that particular day because that's when he was available. That's the kind of way I read that. But the post is by Shannon Whitmore, who used to be a iRacing staff member, uh, has been around from the beginning. I understand Shannon now works for uh, uh, John Henry directly um, somehow, but he doesn't uh, directly work for iRacing anymore. But I always considered Shannon Whitmore. Uh, the leading historian on iRacing, and he always has answers about what's happened in the past and that kind of thing. And basically, somebody on this post started it asking, well, why are we running when when we are running? And uh, that's basically the definitive answer is because that's when Junior was available. Yeah. Well, there, I, oh, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead, Brent. Okay. There's a lot of discussion that's going on in this um, topic as to why they don't move it to Saturdays. What would your guys' thoughts be on that? Well, I was just what I was going to point out there too is if you look at if you look at iRacing's history and changing schedules, they always get roasted for changing something. There's always going to be the huge discussion of why to do this change and not to do it. If you look at NASCAR in general, they're always on a Saturday or Sunday, and you hear them over the last couple of years talking about trying to get a you know, they got that one midday, was it a Wednesday night? They do that truck race at Bristol. They're trying to move nights. It's really hard to change. Like iRacing, yeah, it's only been around for, you know, 10 years, but it's probably been, I think the Pro Series, eight eight years maybe. I'm not sure. Um, but moving that date, you, you got to create a traditional path to it. You can't just go this year, okay, it's Tuesday. Next year, it's Saturday. Next year, it's Sunday. Like if everybody knows when they're trying to qual like it's it, the other thing is is okay this year it's Tuesday these everybody's qualifying this year to get into next year okay then they change it to Saturday and that guy who got qualified for it was expecting to be a Tuesday and he works Saturday like that's you know that's what it's also too you don't want to change it especially with the way the qualifying goes now I think it's also that traditional thought of you wish for crossover I I don't want it on Saturday because then the real Cup drivers can't participate they're running the real race on the weekend so if we have it during the weekdays you know and it's nascar and it's nascar versus nascar e-sim racing 
you know, what's the difference? Let's have Denny Hamlin come in and Kyle Busch and run run with the peak guys on Tuesday night. That's what I would really like to see is let's have a rotating cup star come in and run with those boys. So you're talking about having like a provisional position always open for them to race in. So right. they have your 40 cars and they got, you can move it up to 43. You want to drive, with... you know, you know, viewership and people's eyeballs, you know, on the product. I mean, what better way? Or, or get retired drivers, you know, recently retired, you know, Dale Jr. or Jeff Gordon, you know, those kind of people. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the way I see it too. I mean, if don't do it on the weekends because you want to have it inclusive for everybody, including especially the real, especially the real race car drivers. Because I think eventually that's where we're headed, you know, down the road. I mean, look at this thing five years from now. Don't tell me that the cup drives aren't going to be sim racing more. They're, yeah, they're going to be doing it more, not less, I would think. All right, Greg, uh, DP versus GTE. Now, this always comes up at all these endurance races because uh, this happened at the 24 Hours of the Mall with the prototypes. Um, so I think the big discussion is is the the difference between there's not a big discrepancy in the speed between the DP and the GTE threes and the GTEs because of um, where they're at. Um, so Nick uh, Nebin is talking about um, how, how it's when they feel they would put the field together. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it when they split the fields up for these endurance races, all the uh, DP cars, the, the, the top um, cars get pushed up into the main, the front splits. They don't. If you have like a low I rating, um, it you're doesn't mean you you can end up still being in top split with the DPS. And then like the last, I think it's I think at Le Mans there was eleven or twelve splits. I think the last, I think six, split six through twelve was only GTE three or GT three cars or whatever they are GTEs in that one. And so you only had all the uh, LMP ones. Up in the front split, which means which you, you could have a guy that has a really low eye rating and runs right. We lost you. Then a top split, like you know, you know, you could put you're putting a lot of people at advantage. And uh, Nick was pointing that out. And then uh, another post here from uh, Marcus Schwartz um, talked about the actual real as a 2016 um, what the lap times that. They were running at Daytona in those in those cars, and there's iRacing speeds are a lot faster than what the real world cars were actually doing. About four or five seconds between each class, and you know we're we're a little bit um, faster than we need to be going uh, with those cars. And they were talking about fixing uh, boosting the DPE uh, is is unrealistic. Um, they need to but, slow down the GTEs. Yeah, they got to slow down. the right, and then. Um, this last post uh, was from Tyler Hudson um, about that they've added some weight to the uh, GTE class, but it's not effective for the 24-hour event. Wow. So <laughs> it's so weird that why they would make all this when people are talking about like so the Porsche 911 has got is uh, has a zero kilogram uh, weight to it for that class for GT has got 10 uh, kilograms extra and then the ferrari 488 has um five kilograms but none of this is effective for the 24 hours so they're not fixing the problem that everybody's pointing out 
No, that doesn't fix the problem unless you add weight to all the cars. But how well, do you practice it separately? Well, that's the other thing that's so bogus here. Okay, so there's a couple different things going on here. So first of all, the GTE cars are four seconds too fast, okay? That's the problem. And so the DP car is very similar to the GTE because of that. And so then you get the slower DP car driver, because there's not a lot of DPs, mixed in with the really good GTE top split drivers, and they clash because they're about the same speed. Or actually, the DPs can be slower than the GTEs in some cases, depending on the drivers. And so that's the problem. And so I've been experiencing this in practice. Uh, I'm in a DP. Um, I can't get away from those GTE3s unless I'm on the straights. And in the past, we used to be able to, I think. And so um, it's a little bit different. There's something wrong there for sure, I think. And, and other people in the forums think as well. Then T Tyler put out this BOP update, which I think they didn't do it in reaction to what we were just talking about. They did it from some separate thing okay that's separate but why would they not have it affect the 24-hour race i have no idea because so when we go into a practice we're on the old rules and then or the new rules right and then we're going to go into the 24-hour race and be on the old rules so what good is practice i don't i'm not totally familiar with all the uh road part of it here with how that weight's going to affect the car like 10 pounds on the g uh, the ford might really affect it i don't know what the five or ten are actually going to do i mean obviously it'll fix it'll you know people that are working on getting ride heights and getting it to a certain pod it could put it you know you might have to change your ride heights and things like that i mean brent you were running the car a couple hours ago right yeah i was all right so you were running it uh knowing that you know during the race it's going to be five kilograms heavier than when you were practicing <laughs> i wish <laughs> Right. I mean, that's kind of bogus, don't you think? Yeah, I don't. I guess the main question is that we all have, and it's been brought up already, but why? You know, why can't they make this change? Is it a setup issue, you know, as far as um, have they tried making this change and then a bunch of other issues popped up alongside of it? Or is it just them not wanting to make that change? I don't remember this ever being a huge issue when it was the old Daytona prototype. Um the first one when we used to do the 24 hour races, because I think it was the, if it was the prototype and the old, uh, the old Porsche cars that they that first came out were the, were the classes that were in it. And obviously those are a lot slower. So it makes up the difference. It's the same with the Le Mans series. That one seems like it's speed wise. It's, it's weighted, right. But I don't understand why they, like Brent's saying there, I can't see why they can't figure out, how do you make that car faster, slow the other ones down appropriately? Like it should be, you know, I, I would think it would be a, an easier fix. Do you guys not think? Well, wait a minute. Let me just make sure I understand. So there's a balance of performance needed to make these cars equal. Okay. And they apply it to the IMSA series and the Le Mans series effective immediately today, but not the 24 hour race that's coming up in a week or two from now. Same so, cars, correct? What in the world? I just don't understand it at all. I don't get so, it. So what it, What could... Sorry, I, sorry. I just want to... What could really happen... Okay, so say say there's 12 splits of uh, for, for the Daytona race. 
Split four has say five DPs in it, but they're the lowest I rating. Like say it's like five to a thousand I rating guys. They're not really confident road racers. They just want to be in that car because they like that car. And then they're in the fourth split with probably, I would say maybe three or four thousand I rating. And those guys, the GTE should not win overall unless all the DPs crash out. And that's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's a mess. I don't know. I don't understand why they don't put the rule in place. For the 24-hour race. But because yeah. you, any practice you do, any official practice you do before that, it's going to be with the other the rule the other way around. Uh, also, there's, go ahead. Sorry. There's a uh, there's a poll up here. People asking, should the new GTE balance power apply to the 24 hours of Daytona? And the consensus is yes. Yeah. Well, so I, think, the only I would think so. And they're very well. I'm sure there is a legitimate reason as to why it doesn't apply like I'm, I'm pretty confident that there is but nobody knows why because nobody from iRacing has come out and told us why <laughs> well and the other fact is why can't they figure out how to split it properly too with different classes that's the one problem with these main events that keeps happening is they can't seem to get it i mean obviously if it was really popular and you did you could have one in every split but or like you know get it out balanced properly but because the cards aren't right, a lot of people are going to uh, not be in that DP. All right, let's keep moving. Mason, iRacing presence at the real Rolex 24-hour race. Yeah, so uh, people were asking, will iRacing have a presence there? And uh, their Kevin Bobbitt's answer was, we won't have our own booth, but there are several that we'll be using iRacing, including Mazda and AMG. The final for the Mazda Hot Lap Challenge is Saturday morning at the Mazda booth, so come on by if you're at the track. Yeah, I forgot about the Mazda Hot Lap Challenge. Yeah, I hope they start ramping up some uh, uh, PR for that. All right, so if you're going to the race, uh, check it out. This Chris might Gale. be uh, let's hold one second here. This might be an interesting question for uh, Bobby Jonas because I believe he's going to be there working this event. For the track staff so i wonder if he's gonna have time to swing on by and check this out uh, he's gonna have to sit in that uh, simulator and show him how to how to do it all right uh yeah check it out bobby uh chris scales uh, e-race of champions this one starts with a tweet from formula one uh from sim racing to the real thing uh, f1 esports stars brendan lee 72 and enzo benito are heading to the race of champions in mexico and taking on some motorsports' biggest heroes. And uh, I've uh, kind of been, um, uh, I haven't been spending a whole lot of time tracking this stuff, but uh looks like they'll compete head-to-head -head in both uh, sim and real-life cars. The champion will then join McLaren's shadow racer and reigning E-Rock champion Enzo Benito on Team Sim Racing All-Stars. Where they will compete in a in the real life race of champions against a vast array of talent, talent that includes F1 personalities such as Sebastian Vettel, David Coulthard, Lucas Degrassi, and son of the seven-time champion Michael uh, Mick Schumacher. And out of all that entire paragraph, uh, Michael Schumacher is the only thing that looked familiar. <laughs> but, well, uh, yeah. uh, you got Sebastian Vettel is no slouch. Don't know the guy. <laughs> David yeah. David Coltar is also uh, was uh, I believe he was an F one champion as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty uh, amazing that those guys have been invited to that event and they're participating 
racing these real Formula One champions. Yeah, those cars look like like sh- like space shuttles or something. Those things are crazy. The I guess those are uh, special cars they drive for the race of champions. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a car they designed specifically for race of champions. Uh, from my understanding. A pretty sweet looking thing. They're I haven't heard about any too. NASCAR people going to this, though. I was a little disappointed about that. They don't particularly ever go to these. I don't. I can't remember if. When's the last time s- somebody has? I want to say we've had someone from NASCAR. Oh yeah. Like Kyle Busch seems Carl to be the Edwards, one that I think uh, did it, or Carl Edwards, or something like that. One of those guys I thought did it, but I can't. I can't remember. All right, let's keep moving. Tony Groves. Chase Briscoe and Cole Custer uh, doing some eye racing in the off season. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, Chase Briscoe posted up on Twitter a little video of him running in his uh, rig, and I have to you can't really tell in the video, but I have to imagine that's Cole Custer beside him. Anyways, they were uh, they were putting down some laps in in eye racing, and uh, well, it looks like they were uh, just waiting on Mister Eye Racing Ty Majeski to show up. <clears throat> well, that's pretty um, cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, a, a, another part of this is the rigs that these guys are using. Um, these are some pretty serious looking rigs, uh, you know, full motion. Um, and uh, the the rigs, they, they come from our laps. Yeah, rlaps.com. I took a just a, a, a brief, brief, brief look at... Uh, at their website and they got a little little promo video on there that's pretty sweet looking rig there uh, i know it's not hardware time right now but uh yeah it they are decent they they, they move in all the right ways looks like they got the the um the sideways movement for slipping around and um fully enclosed uh cockpits uh yeah look pretty cool yeah, I was looking for a price, and somewhere on this website it says starting at thirty thousand dollars. And so we were talking about this this week on our uh, Facebook thread. Uh, is there a motion rig out there that's worth thirty grand? I don't know, guys. Uh, that's a lot of cash. Well, if my memory serves me correct, and it usually doesn't, but uh, a few months back, I know we were talking about. Uh, a rig there, and I think it was pushing about fifty grand. Um, yeah. But I think it, that one came with a butler and a limo. Yeah, this one is crazy. Uh, yeah, and then, so Chase Briscoe's got two of them sitting there. At least we can see two of them uh, in one room uh, from this company, rlaps.com. But uh, yeah, you know, I wasn't too impressed by the website. They don't really have a lot of information. Uh, like you said, they got a video, you know, they got some, it looks like they're from Indiana. It is full motion from the the way the video looks. Uh, it looks like a real racing seat. Um, really good hardware is what it looks like. Um, but wow, 30 grand. They could be the spokes. Maybe there'd be a spokesperson for it. Maybe they're, maybe they're testing it. For well, that's this why company. they're tweeting about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I was looking through the pictures here. It looks like there's one picture of their shop with like, the real racing seat but it's like all custom welded metal so it doesn't look like it's adjustable if you get it like it looks like it's it's whatever it is or the seat might be adjustable but nothing else is 
And uh, also interesting, the RLAPS Twitter page, which is underscore RLAPS on Twitter, uh, their banner uh, banner picture is a five-monitor setup. And so instead of triples, you have five. Now, how do you do that, you wonder? Well, what you do is you take your regular monitor that you'd use for a triple and you stand it on its side and you get five of them. And you make a half circle out of them. It looks really cool. You know what they really need, though, is those prisms so that you don't see the... It would yeah, really inverse it. It would almost make look at like a projection screen. Yeah, the seams are kind of noticeable, like you said. But the beauty about this setup is the vertical FOV, guys. With this kind of setup, you would see the dash. When unlike on a triples, you don't, you can't see the dash because the vertical FOV is so limited. But with this, when you do five monitors, you'd be able to see the dash and everything. Yeah, I mean, you'd have a really good view. You might now, see your pedals and everything. Would you need an extra graphics card? Well, I don't think my 1080 Ti will run five, will it? I don't think it has five holes. I was gonna say, yeah, it's, it's probably not the graphics part problem. It's the actual uh, plugins for it that are gonna be the big problem. Yeah, that's what I meant. Well, and that's the thing. So, do you have to have two of them in SLI, or? I, I came from a commercial audiovisual background at work uh, in back in the day, and there's hardware boxes that will split up a signal into five screens that you can get commercially that will do these kind of things. So that's like what they do with like Titantrons and things like that for like sports arenas. So that would be maybe right. you could use that aspect this way too. Yeah, something like that. Exactly. Like a digital signage application. But uh, yeah, check out their Twitter page and uh, get a gander of those five screen setup. You don't see those very often, but they're such a good idea because of the vertical FOV. I don't think I ever would have thought of turning a screen on its side. Yeah, I haven't seen this in a long time, but they are very rare. But it is a great idea, like I said. That's kind of funny. I used to actually have a monitor that you could turn from landscape to portrait and it would automatically flip. Now it was nowhere near these sizes. But uh, yeah, it's it is a it's a pretty like cool 27s idea. Sevens or thirty twos, maybe. Oh yeah, I would have to say thirty twos for sure. Uh, those are freaking yeah. Those are like a thirty two. All right, let's keep moving. I got the next one. Uh, friend of the podcast, Kevin O'Keefe, uh, does a video with Marcos Ambrose, who used to be a uh, NASCAR Cup star, and you know, I think he's back down in Australia running super V eight cars and whatnot. Uh, but Marcos apparently uh, contacted Kevin, and uh, they put together some kind of uh, how to drive a road course kind of video, where Marcos gives some tips about it. Uh, and so uh, Kevin hit us up and asked us to talk about it. So I thought uh, we w- we would. And uh, did you guys see it? Uh, he did. I I, I kept a part of it uh, at the beginning where Marcos was talking about he had a lot of response from the first video they did, and so he was wanting to do a second one. I think um, I listened to to his podcast, and it kind of sounded like it's something they're wanting to to keep doing. Like it, it might be more than one or two, and might or he's trying to make it into a series, which would be cool if they can do that. Ben, the the link here seems to be to Oval Tips at Kentucky for the uh, A car, so pretty cool. Check it out. All right, you can find him at Rutgers Kev on YouTube. 
I, uh, you can also find him on uh, iTunes too, I believe. Uh, all right, Kevin, uh, uh, good win there uh, getting Marcos on the show. All right, Brent, iRacing Swag. R&R Enterprise has released some Christopher Bell um, iRacing Chili Bowl t-shirts and and basically just some swag that you can go ahead and order these actually look pretty cool there's some uh decent ones on there um there's some koozies some posters and all this so if you're interested in getting yourself some christopher bell uh, back to back or the champ is here it's a john cena reference right there it's christopher bell gear from r&r enterprise and representing the upcoming chili bowl check out r&r enterprise on twitter or you can go online and check out their website. They also have uh, some Kyle Larson McDonald's paint scheme on here with the iRacing logo up top. Yep, and yeah. iRacing is very well represented between the two of them in here. So basically almost everything that has Christopher Bell on it, iRacing is represented fairly well. So Yeah, well, they're sponsoring him for the Chili Bowl, so uh, he's he's carrying the iRacing colors. Yeah, I really like the hat, the, the trucker hat. Yeah, he's got a lot. There's a lot of nice gear on here. They've got some stuff that's on sale, so if you're looking for some cheaper stuff, they have that on there also. Yep, so, uh, yeah, I hope to watch uh, the Chili Bowl. I'm not going to pay for it. I'll probably watch it on some pirated stream or after the fact on Facebook or something. But, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see how uh, Kyle Larson runs. Uh, He's going to win it, man. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting event. I was just looking on the Chili Bowl website. And there's 300 plus, 350 plus entries for that chili bowl. Whoa. Yep. When is it? This coming weekend, I think. Oh, is it this weekend? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's one of those ones I've been kind of thinking about racing. And it's one of those things with iRacing where you just never seem to know when that kind of stuff's going on unless you go out digging for it. All right, Mason, as smooth as Max. Yeah, so um, we got a Twitter post up here. Um, of Team Redline Sim Racing. Uh, Max Verstappen's taking a lap in the Roval uh, in the F3, and it's a world record lap. Uh, he did it um, in 1 minute, 4.436 seconds. Um, and he also went a little bit quicker, but it seemed like he used the DRS for that. So, uh, yeah, it's cool to see him on the Sim and setting world records, even in the Sim. Well, now, it kind of shows that he belongs where he is in his job, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, did you guys notice how far and how confident he was that it was going to stick, even coming back up the banking? Like, he was probably an inch away from the wall on every spot that he could possibly take. He was taking all the track that he needed. Oh, yeah. Like, coming up onto the banking right before, he almost clips that wall. I'd never get even close to it. Well, and it flat out through the uh, the bus stop thing that they got back there with the turtles. Like, man, that thing yeah, must he didn't have even some grip. Lift. Yeah, Max Verstappen is an animal. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's a video. It's put up by Team Redline on their YouTube page. And he is part of Team Redline. So, all right, Chris Scales, top 10 highlights. Yep, looks like we uh, next we have um, December's top 10 highlight video for my racing. Um, as always, it's a uh, fairly impressive. Although this one was a little bit <laughs> lackluster compared to some of them. I mean, the, most of them have been just insane. This one was a uh, there's a few that uh, weren't all that impressive. Maybe it's just an off-season thing, or maybe we're not sending enough videos. 
Send some more videos. I, I think it's just that the other ones were so great, you know, you, they just can't top them. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple of decent um, uh, GRX ones in there. A uh, giant pile up of one dude sneaking through. And there's another one with a, uh, they had, I think it was a number two video, is a guy just pushing a guy to the checkered flag, which was, yeah, eh, I've seen it. But the, uh, I think maybe five ish, there's uh, a guy that was stuck on his side in a GRX car <laughs> and somebody stopped to push him back on his wheels. So you keep on going. I don't know if I've seen that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I thought the one with the guy pushing the dead truck to the finish line was kind of lame. Yeah. Because technically that's against the rules. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, we've always seen it. So yeah, there, maybe we just need to send more videos. That's what it is. Yeah, so better. send your videos to Alex, guys, and let's get him some good material. The, the only one survived one cracked me up, because that's yeah, so true. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we've all seen that, right? Is it just me or the, over the last couple of these top tens they've seemed to pick on a theme and this one kind of had like the three wide four wide battles as the theme yeah i couldn't really tell what the theme was maybe it is three wide thing or side by side because a lot of these uh videos are are about side by side but then it, they get to the part where the you know he's pushing the guy to the checker and it doesn't really fit in well we gotta i gotta Throwing up there for number nine with the uh, the street stocks and you know Buddy weaving his way through that massive wreck. Um, they 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 put his stream in the they kept the stream in the bottom corner with his reaction as he's uh, realized oh, he's face. made it through. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that was better than the actual <laughs> miss. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was a pretty good one actually. So yeah, he's got the big uh, oh like wow and holds his fist up to his mouth and is biting it. All right, Greg, uh, we had a patch today. What do we got? So it looks like uh, they just brought out a quick patch uh, for some quick fixes. So um, the – I'm sorry. I'm just trying to bring up the link here. It's not opening. Um, the beta UI uh, practice sessions tabs uh, added an official series time of day ref reference table uh, leagues now available to boot members correctly. Paint this whole list is correctly. the beta UI stuff. Yeah, so that's all part of the beta UI. And then, uh, what, what do you got? If the rendering for the NVIDIA 3D uh, part for has been fixed in iRacing. I guess there was a patch for that. Remember then, the clouds were funky if you were running 3D? Oh, yeah, that was the, was what last week or the week before. Right. Uh, NASCAR, NASCAR pit stops, I guess there was a couple things fixed on it. Uh, fixed oh it's fixed buried tires so that, I guess that was in the in the cement or in the asphalt they were going in. Uh, chat got a fixed issue uh, when changing from at team to uh, transmit command. Um, DRS count added to telemetry for the Renault so I guess that's there's a certain amount of I don't I've never looked at to see what the actual amount is but um, I guess it's now on the dash you can see it for the Renault 3.5. Uh, the Delara F3 brake upgrade um, and a chili bowl they upgraded to stop people from using the berm. Okay. Well, wasn't the, And then I guess there were some other um, fixes to the IndyCars pit stops as well today. The big one, I think, is the Porsche. Look at that. An update has been made to the V6 tire construction and compound. These changes should provide faster response without losing uh, over the limit 
control uh, over the limit uh, controllability. So they're doing an on the fly change to the V6 tire on one specific car. So is that because of say some of the racing that's been going on with that Porsche series? They've noticed something. Must be something related to that. Because nobody was driving that car before all this. So, yeah, I, I found that interesting that they changed the tire on one car. Now, remember when they did the, the temperature change that we talked about before? That was all the cars at once. Yeah, so they must be, if they're, they must be finding stuff out in the V7 or the version 7 of the tire model and kind of putting some stuff in just to try and either maybe test some things out or see if it solves problems with the V6 right now until the V7 comes out. I, I just think wish probably... they'd tell us what's going on with the tire. Yeah, I, I kind of get the idea they're like bridging the gap. That's kind of like what the heat thing was. That way when we get, they're seeing where the where the, the, the V7 is going to be and they're trying to make it so that when we go from the 6 to 7, there's not this huge difference. Kind of the way I take it. Well, other than this Porsche thing, that's a whole different bag of worms. That's just weird. Yeah, I feel like they're throwing darts at a wall here. Have they ever done that? Just changed the the tire on one car like that? Not that I've heard. Remember? No, I don't yeah, remember that. I think I remember back in the day when they brought the tire model, like from the original tire to the finally calling something a tire model. I think it only went on one car, but then there was less cars in the sim at that time as well. Because I think it went on an oval car, and it really upset the road portion of i racing. All right, let's keep moving. Tony Grove, safety rating in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, who is it? Nick Nieben uh, put up this post with uh, a couple of videos um, basically explaining how the safety rating works. Um, definitely a, a, a good watch for somebody new and coming into the sim or man, somebody that just doesn't understand the uh, how the safety rating system works. It's um, uh, two small videos. They're both just a couple of minutes long, but they're... Um, they're visually nice, and uh, they're explained really well, very clear. Um, I think he did a, a pretty darn good job on the videos. Um, yeah, well, one think? commenter didn't like, didn't understand the videos, but I thought he did a pretty good job. I mean, the first one is a visual representation of what of corner per incident and how it builds up over many races. And that's how you can't compare your safety rating from one person to another. Why did he get safety rating and I didn't? You know, and I had less incidents than he did. Well, it's because of how you did on the previous nine races. So that's something I never knew for all the years I've been here. That's something new to me right there, just listening to that. Because, um, you know, you have one, you think you're going to have a couple good races in a row. You have some bad ones and then I have one good one. And you're like, why is it not so good or whatever? So that makes sense now. Yeah, because it's built up over a over a bunch of corners, more than than comprise that one race you're in. And so, if your previous nine races are real bad, and then you had a good race, it doesn't mean your SR is going up. Kind of have to earn the trust back of the system. Yeah, and then the second video kind of talks about how it intertwines with the licenses of rookie, you know, D, C, B, and A. And when you get to the B and the A, it takes more corners to affect your SR than it did when you were a rookie or a D car. And he gives it in a visual way to kind of give you an idea of how that looks visually. 
So I, I think the videos were good. I think Nick Nieben did a good job on them. I follow Nick. He actually is a source for uh, a lot of our stories on this show, and I do appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, I, I want to give him credit where credit's due, and I thought these were really good videos. You guys can find them by searching the forums. Search the word safety rating, and you'll find it. And here's a tip, too, for anybody that's wanting to race the 24 hours. Run four or five hours and try and get zero incidents. You'll be guaranteed to go to 4.99 because there's so many corners and the amount of time. You'll definitely but in a be upgraded. Event, team event, I don't think you gain SR or IR. Yes, you do. Oh, you do? Yeah. You gain it based on the IR won't be much. Like it's because of the distance of the race, it's still, it still acts like a it could be a five lap race or a four twenty four hour race. It's it's the same type of IR system, but the safety rating is still based off of your corners per incident. So, like when we did the me, Phil, and Mike did the uh, twenty four hours of Le Mans, all four of us went up to a four point nine nine after that race uh, finished oh. because of the amount of corners you have to do in that race. All right, cool. All right, Brent, uh, Flagman Donut Break. Yeah, real quick one here. I racing. Uh, there's an issue with the flag man at all the flag stands. I've noticed this over about the past month. It seems like where the flag man is just standing there. He's chilling. He's having coffee, like you said, eating a donut. I don't know what he's doing, but his job Stop is pretty much flag. yeah. His job is pretty much pointless without that flag in his hand. So I racing's aware of that, and they are in the process of fixing that. Okay. Mason, a hot lap hump day. User disconnected from your channel. Yeah, so we have uh, Instagram. Um, on Instagram, we have Rick Motex Instagram posting up hot lap hump day. Uh, it's January 16th at 6 p.m. And uh, you can come down to their shop User in Miami Lakes, Florida, um, and join them for some sim racing, fun, food, and beverages. And the best part, it's free. So uh, check out their Instagram post. Uh, for the Hot Lap Hump Day Championship starting um, next week on, let's see, that is Wednesday. And also, um, that championship that's starting on Wednesday, um, you can do it uh, not at their place. You can do it online. And uh, it's at 9.30, from 6 Eastern to 9.30 Eastern. Um, you can set one of the fastest laps at uh, whatever track and car combination they decide. They don't release that until the event goes live because they want everyone to have a fair shot. Um, some events might have open setup and some might be fixed. So it's a, a real wild card. Um, and they're doing the uh, a full year championship um, with with that. So it'll be exciting. Uh, any of you guys going to check it out? I think Justin, our teammate, said he was. Uh, he's the one who told me about this, and you can sign up at rickmotech.com. Uh, why uh, Justin bought a Rickmotech rig, guys, this week? Did you guys see the picture? Yep, looks cool. Like, yeah. yeah, he got a nice little setup there. I've, he didn't tell me how much he paid for it, but he sent us some pictures, and it looked really solid. Yeah, and uh, you can you have to sign up before the 16th, um, and you have to, if you want to go for the championship, to win $100 in Rickmo bucks to be used on any products available at Rickmo Tech, you have to purchase a minimum of $100 worth of Rickmo Tech items by July 1st. Oh. All right, very good. Uh, I got the next one here. Uh, we got a Twitter from, uh, at iRacers Lounge from, 
uh, a listener, uh, basically begging for help for one of his iRacing buddies. Uh, it was at Danovich. And uh, at Danovich uh, put up a YouTube video as well about Richie Ryan, who's a good friend of his. And Richie Ryan is uh, battling a, a brain cancer. And he's actually went into surgery January 7th for that. And his family is trying to raise some money for medical expenses. They did a GoFundMe. Uh, if you go to GoFundMe.com, search the word Richie Ryan Family Fundraiser. Uh, Richie is with an IE at the end. Uh, you'll be able to help those guys out. Uh, anyway, I don't know Richie Ryan, but apparently he's uh, very well known on iRacing by a lot of people. And uh, we've been uh, send out our prayers and thoughts to him. All right, uh, Tony Groves, Bird Box Challenge. I don't have any idea what this is. <laughs> okay, well, this is absolutely awesome. And, you know, right on the heels of everybody knows the movie Bird Box came out and what that whole deal is. So um, the guys at Chip Ganassi Racing, the pit crew, um, decided, well, everybody's doing this bird box challenge. Let's uh, let's let's do it. Let's, let's make this happen. So they do uh, they do a pit stop. Everybody is blindfolded. And um, the, the, the video is absolutely awesome. I'm quite surprised that they were. Um, <laughs> they did really, really well, um, you know, minus uh, a, a bit of a slip with the with the jack, did a little bit of damage to the car. Um, but other than that, these guys were still pretty quick, completely blindfolded. Um, they, they got the four tires on, but then the car fell off the jack or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 unbelievable, really. I mean, how these guys do it with without blindfolds that fast with that kind of precision um to watch them do this without being able to see what's what's happening um it was pretty cool quick <laughs> enough that we couldn't beat them i think i think they're faster than what we could get it done with blindfolds on than what we could do <laughs> without I mean, it was pretty quick yeah if you want like Oh, go ahead mike i was gonna say well what became of that is that tweet by chip ganassi was iRacing tweeted out, well, hey, how about an incident-free lap in the sim blindfolded? Well, well, what, the, what do you guys think? Is it possible? <laughs> I should try that, but I have a feeling too many people are going to start trying. This bird box challenge thing is probably not a good idea to start with, depending on what people are going to do. All these challenges that have popped up on the inter or on the Twitter and all these vines and stuff like that back then. I don't want to see a bird box challenge with people driving cars. Is this uh, a bird box or yeah, really new? Haven't we had this in the NIS now for years? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's right. called bottom split. <laughs> <laughs> so Chip Ganassi Racing did reply back to iRacing's challenge. Uh, they they put up a picture and they said, uh, "Hold up, calling our our boy real quick." And they show a picture of calling Kyle Larson. Is like it he, that he can get it done or something? The one thing I noticed is I, I questioned it for a second there. I saw the one car with the uh, monster paint job, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Kurt Busch is driving it. Yep. So how long till we see in the hosted section uh, the Bird Box race? The Bird Box Daytona 500? <laughs> no cautions, of course. You got to be blindfolded, and, uh, yeah, that should work. 
blindfolded with your spouse on the behind you telling you what to do. No, go right. Hit the brake. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, if funny. the uh, if the old bastards uh, put that race on with a nine incident limit, that could make things real interesting. <laughs> First corner, all nine incidents are used up by everybody. <laughs> it doesn't look like anybody on the Twitter uh, thread has actually reported that they completed the challenge. Uh, no, that's a lie. There's one guy said he did the center point challenge incident free. Oh, the center fetal? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greg, next one. Tafosi Data Daytona Test Race. All right, so we're going to throw up a server here. I guess uh, teammate David here is going to throw up a server on Sunday afternoon Eastern time uh, for, so where did he put the time here? 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, we'll start the warm-up. We'll start at 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, he's going to set, sorry, the, it will be, 30 minutes practice, two lap uh, qualify, and a three-hour race. So the sun will be set for uh, eight times. Uh, the track will not keep up uh, with the weather like it would in the 24-hour race, so we'll just be mindful of that. Uh, anybody can come out and, uh, you know, race with us, uh, Tifosi and uh, Irish's Lounge guys. Uh, the server's public, but it... You know, we don't want any excessively dangerous driving in there. You can, we will kick you. Um, but uh, come join us, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on uh, Sunday. And uh, also, David and I, and possibly we'll see if we can, a couple of other members from Team Tifosi here, will also be putting up a tutorial video for Daytona on the ins and outs of how to deal with the 24-hour race and what to expect. Greg, that's this Sunday, the 13th, correct? Yes. Sorry about okay, that. Yes, it yep. is. Just Thanks, Brent. Okay. Uh, how are we all doing? I know we've had a lot of practice. Um, the DP car, we've been meeting the last couple of days during the day, uh, getting laps in. Uh, and we have a strategy, a schedule. I know you guys are tweaking the schedule today. Are we good? Yeah, I think we're going to be all right. I know um, today... There was there was about seven or eight of us that were on here in the afternoon that were racing it, doing some uh, practice and stuff. So over the past week, I know a lot of you guys have been uh, getting in here and practicing, and the schedule I think is finally coming together pretty well, and it's almost set in stone. So we got a week to go. Now the other thing too, uh, I did the we were just before we went on. Uh started recording here we were, we had a discussion about the incident limit again at the 24 hours of daytona and mike you had brought up you thought you would we would talk last week it was 200 and then somebody had brought up you had seen people saying that it was possibly 240 right um so i looked on i searched a whole bunch of things here when we first started the podcast and i have found that they have updated that uh uh drew adamson or adams adamson's post uh, has been updated about all the stuff that for the 24 hours or of Daytona, and it says now it says 240. It's been updated from what we had last week. Wow! And That's if you want, if you want to listen to how that happened, you can actually listen to that Rutgers Kev podcast that we listened that we mentioned earlier. His last podcast was basically the the conversation between Alan and other iRacers discussing the incident limit. He has kind of uh, eavesdropped on their Discord there. So if you want to, if you want that, yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess <laughs> it's That's not something I would have done, but it was cool content. So yeah, man. If you want to, if you want to hear it, check it out there. 
240. Okay, so we did the math. I, I ran two fuel runs, and on one fuel run, the first one, I had 13 incidents or something, and I was trying pretty hard, but I did the math on that. Okay, six people, I'm going to be doing two runs, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I calculated if everyone did the same amount of incidents I did over one fuel run, we'd be at 150. Well, you're looking at 24 an hour now. Right. So, you know, that's a lot of incidents that's per a hour. Lot. Yeah, I, I just feel like 240 is way high. I think 200 was a, a bit high. But I thought 200 was a safe place. I'm kind of surprised they went to 240. They're probably... I'm thinking they're just trying to make these special events more accessible like they don't want you know if somebody came in and saw okay 50 or 100 they might be scared and not even try it maybe they're just trying to get participation up and maybe them driving it up a little bit further might you know maybe they get another 100 people sign up because they had another 40 i don't know well stop the howling on the forums that too all right um yeah go ahead yeah so, so i was gonna say didn't there used to be no incident point limit and they were howling because there was no incident limit oh yeah yeah okay okay so i just yeah i just wanted to clarify that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's always one one thing or the other you know how that goes that's the way social media is these days so people just want to be heard all right talking about social media we still need a manager at tifosi racing to help us manage all our social media uh we're also streaming live like crazy if you guys haven't noticed um we also need a league manager, so we're, we're recruiting at Tifosi. If you're interested, hit us up. Let's jump into hardware software. Brent, Project Doppler Pedals. Yeah, Philip Jansen Van Rensburg wants to make a um, set of pedals using Titan 900 pedals. He's looking and using, he's currently making them with the Doppler Series 9620 base. He's using the Titan 900s because it uses a floating master cylinder on the brake and the clutch um, with the pedals pivot on ball bearings for a smoother transition and the brake is bigger in size than the other two which is my personal preference i like the brake to be larger um, pedals are the most critical component on your sim rig especially the brake pedal if you guys are interested in checking out this build go on the iRacing forums and check out philip jansen van rensburg's build pretty impressive yeah he's otherwise known as bino and we often quote him as a source as well on this uh, show. Um, he is definitely an expert when it comes to hardware. And scroll down, guys, and look at the base plate that he has uh, selected. That thing is a monster. I mean, it's an inch and a half, two inches thick. I probably guess it weighs 80 to 100 pounds. I dug through this a little bit. Did he ever post on here how much he ended up spending on parts for this? I mean, it's an awesome pedal set. I'd, I'd be curious to see where it would... Where it stacks where, up to I like don't the, think I've the seen a price. Yeah, just do the math. Do the work on your own, I guess. Yeah, just do the shop. Uh, I don't think, yeah, Bino is one of those guys where the price is not a, a consideration. <laughs> everything that he buys is like top of the line. Yeah, he lists everything all out nice and easy. So, yeah, it's not, it won't be hard to, if, to, to find the parts. You, you can put part numbers, I believe. Yeah, he's yeah, got you, links and everything. You mentioned that base, and I just lost here. Was it? He said the base is sixteen weighs sixteen kilograms, and is approximately twenty millimeters thick. How many pounds is that? Two point two five times sixteen. Thirty five pounds. Okay. Yeah, thirty five. Yeah. It looks like it could be heavier. It must be like a lightweight metal. Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> 
massive too. All right, let's keep moving. Mason, the NVIDIA 2060. Yep, looks like we got a GeForce RTX 2060 uh, coming out um, pretty soon here. I believe we said uh, January it's coming out. Um, yeah, January week. 15th, yep. And uh, they have they, they have a, a Twitter post from Club Signage um, that has a, a graph from... Looks like their presentation at NVIDIA. At CES. Yeah, and uh, and it shows that the 2060 is comparable to the 1070 Ti. Um, it looks like it has on the graph um, a tightly grouped data set that is right in line with the 1070 Ti, and one outlier that's that's above it. So it looks like just an updated uh, 1070 Ti. It's going to be. $350 with performance pretty close to the $400 1070 Ti. So if you wait around, you might find some used 1070 Ti's on the market if people decide to upgrade. So $350 bucks for the new one. The 1070 Ti is $400, bucks, so it's to compete with that. And you get uh, Anthem and Battlefield 5, or one or the other for free with it. Well, and the other thing is, too, is they're probably using this too to combat against uh, whatever AMD comes out with too, right? Trying to be in a price point where they're going to be at. Yeah, I would uh, say so. I hope AMD beats them to the ground. It'll uh, teach them for overpricing their garbage. <laughs> yeah. They're and, smoking uh, garbage. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. You know, they come out with these, the 2080 and the 2080 Ti at these astronomical prices. And now they have this card at three hundred and fifty bucks. I just, yeah, I just don't understand the flow of their technology, you know, products. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the big jumps between series. Like you, even when they had the ten, ten uh, series stuff, it they jumped so fast price wise from each one to the next one. Right. And it just, you know, you know, you got a ten eighty Ti that could be eleven hundred dollars or nine hundred to. Eleven hundred dollars, and then you could got a ten seventy and get for like, you know, five hundred bucks, six hundred bucks. All right. So it it says it's able to do a fourteen forty p resolution, as well as deep learning super sampling. Um, I mean, it'll be a nice card for three fifty if that's your budget. This would probably be the card to get. I don't know. What's in between this one though and the big expensive card? So that's what I want to know. They're like there's like a big old hole in their in their product lineup, and AMD's gonna fill it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, I think you're right there, Chris. All right, Greg, real GT3 Porsche race wheel. So Mark Crooks posted up a picture here of uh, a Porsche, like a real rim from a Porsche uh, GT3 st uh, steering wheel here, and uh, what the? Okay, so he's got uh, a button box attached to it. They got the hub, and then when I click the link here for the EB or the eBay thing, it went. It's down now, eh? Yeah, the, um, it's a, he's the guy who actually bought it too. Okay, I mean if it you looks like a, down. Uh, he'll say that he actually uh, put in the winning bid. It's a really nice uh, looking rim. I like though. I guess it's suede around the outside of it. It's a. Uh, it's a pretty simple rim with a nice button box for uh, and a quick release for, I guess. And then you got attached it to uh, whatever you're using, I guess. Eight hundred bucks he got it for. 
And then there's someone on here that was talking that the guy sees this every day, and they're, those rims usually are around $1,800 for those cars. So they got a deal. Yeah. I don't know. When I look at it, I'm not, like, in, super impressed. I mean, I'm more impressed with some of these sim wheels that we've been looking at the last several weeks. I mean, they look better than this, to tell you the truth. I just think I think that the thing that people are like going all crazy for is the Porsche part of it because even I think uh, it's made by Porsche. Yeah, it's you know it's an actual Porsche product. It would be the same if you got like a Ferrari steering wheel and stuff like that. It's it's the branding part of it that people are going or uh, going crazy for. It's got the Porsche logo right in the middle there, and it's authentic, right? It's not the replicated. Right, it's been used in a real car, you know, a real race car kind of thing. And a GT3 car is not, and the Porsche GT3 is not a slouch of a car either. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, we talk about using real-world wheels like Max Pappas rims and in oval. I guess this is the way to do the same thing on the roadside. All right, I got the next one. Force Dynamics 401CR. Uh, their website is force-dynamics.com. And I tell you what, guys, this is the... Uh, creme de la creme of uh motion sims you might have seen it in fate on facebook over the last year or two it's the one where it will turn in a 360 degree circle it'll move up and down sideways left and right every which way and um they got a video of it with triples the monitors the cockpit everything moves um you got full motion and this is not full motion like we've been talking about with regular motion rigs i'm not kidding when it will spin in a full circle tony if you were in this race was it last night you would have been dead oh yeah at, at the yeah, end I of the would. video he does donuts check that out yeah the the drop of the nose whenever he breaks gets me right he hits the brakes the the yeah his feet go down actually that is such a crazy setup, though, that it, it just looks amazing. Well, you can buy it. It's on eBay right now for 20, 20 pounds, 20,000 pounds at eBay uh, UK, United Kingdom. So eBay.co.uk, search Force Dynamics 401CR. And you'll see it, 20,000 pounds, and it's for sale. So uh, I have not seen these for sale in the wild, really, until I saw this one. So you asked the question, what's, you know, is it something really worth these prices that are at? This one, I feel, is closer to actually being worth what yeah, it's being Yeah, this one's worth 20,000 pounds. Absolutely it is. Now, was that one that Chase Briscoe was on that we saw, is that one worth 30? No, I don't think it is. Not when you compare it to this. Exactly. This is the real deal here. I mean, you can't get more motion than this. Does it come with its own vomit bucket? <laughs> Where do you put the PC? Well, I, I read somewhere on on this material that uh, the video is transmitted wirelessly. You could probably mount it anywhere on... You see, like right under the seat there, you might be able to put it on its, like, laying down if you had to. Yeah, but do you I'd want be a destroyed. PC being, yeah. being no, turned know, around in a circle? Yeah, jerked about, yeah. It's got to be down in a base, but it did say something about wireless video, so... Yeah, you don't see any wires, but they could easily... I mean, they could be hidden somewhere. Is it? Is that platform part of it? 
like the input when it's rotating on or yeah. is okay so that's even a more like i don't even want to know how you would get this ship to your place oh this is freight yeah this would this would be a, more than a thousand dollars easily this is coming on a transport truck uh yeah this is the real deal guys i i don't get bigger and better than this one and yeah if this one's 20 grand how's that other one 30 grand i have no idea I can't wait to compare this to some of the stuff later on. Some other people's rigs coming up on our thing here. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Chris Scales, GS5 seat reviews from beta testers. Yeah, and uh, more good info from Bino on the forums. Um, he was actually one of the, the beta testers for the Sim Experience's new GS5 seat. Uh, he wrote, he's been in a few motion setups before. Uh, in his honest opinion, I'm not so sure where motion fits in now with the release of the GS5. It's that good. The sense of speed is even better with the GS5. I've been so lucky to be part of the beta test team, and everything I'd hoped for as an improvement or the GS4 has ex exceeded my expectations. The whole team at some experience hit it out of the park with this new seat. And that's just a small expert of what he wrote. He seems to have nothing um, but good things to say about the seat. Um, Jared Krinsky, he's another one of the beta testers. Uh, Joe Sullivan asked him on the forums, is the GS5 more comfortable than the GS4? Uh, Jared wrote, the GS5 is a proper race seat and fits like a glove. The GS4 feels like sitting on a park bench in comparison. Just sitting in the seat is worth the price of admission before you can even turn it on. So that's, a, that's a lot of good praise for the new seat. Yeah, and when Bino when Bino says he's not sure where motion fits into the picture now with the release of the motion seat, that's big, guys. I mean, he, he's basically saying that the motion seat is is better than a traditional motion rig. The problem with, I guess, you know, the thing that with motion is is there's so many different versions of it, and now you got this extra this version added to it as taking the aspect that most people won't will might be able to purchase too right like if you think of it that's on an 80 80 20 uh setup that he's got there uh in the one here and uh just the seat and you know it makes it more capable of having motion with anything you want so when that last cockpit we talked about the force dynamics that's the ultimate sim motion simulator because it spins it goes up and down sideways left right everything it does everything okay and so i think that's the ultimate and then our the traditional motion rigs that we've been talking about in the past where they kind of shift you to the left or shift you to the right or they move the seat a little bit those are the ones i call traditional motion and i think the seat is better because it provides uh, uh, pressure against you as you're going through a corner through the entire corner so like in a traditional sim when you go into a left corner it'll kick your butt out to the left a little bit but then that's it and the experience the motion part of it is over but you're still in that corner for another three seconds well if you're in the seat that flap is pushing you into the back and pushing you into the thigh through the entire corner of that three second corner and so you feel sustained motion with this motion seat it seemed like it, it lasts longer too now i'm, I'm never going to spend 20 or thirty thousand dollars on a rig but it seems like when you have all those moving parts and pieces and, and the hydraulics it just seems like it wants to break to me and then you gotta you're gonna have to get a hold of you know these 
little companies that build these giant rigs to to get the thing fixed. It seems Our like the worst seat are be gone. Able. Yeah, exactly. It seems like this is the way to go for sure. Uh, now the Jared Krinsky who who put up pictures, that rig you mentioned is an eighty twenty rig, but look carefully, Greg. He's got D box motion on the four corners of that. Yeah, yeah, like, but I'm just, yeah, it's, it's, he's got extra stuff added to it, but that technically could just be sitting on the ground. He just had the seat too, right? Like, you can mix and match with oh, the yeah. seat on any setup you want. That's, that's the versatility of the seat portion of, you know, the stuff. Like, some, some cockpits or some things are limited to what you can put on them seat wise or motion wise, but a seat is more flexible sometimes because you can, you can build, rails or whatever to hold a seat into whatever you got right right like i i could get a gs5 today and bolt it onto what i have and be done it'll mount to any cockpit anywhere you can mount a seat you can mount this gs5 i'm just enthralled by this product i think it's the next revolution in sim motion experience uh and and that company is called sim experience and they have a pretty good product here. It should be going on sale very soon. We don't know exactly when. They did release the non-disclosure on the beta testers recently. So that means that uh, going on sale will be next. It almost feels like the beginning of force feedback, doesn't it? Where like, uh, you know, you can you don't need this thing to, to have to race. But if you really want to, the immersion, you're going to want that force feedback. Yeah. Ten years from now, this might be a, a standard, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right, so let's go to the other extreme. Tony Groves, you might be a redneck. Yeah, you might be a redneck, all right. Well, yeah, let's, uh, let's I don't know how we put it, shallow our pockets a little bit. Um, you know, we're talking about all this uh, big budget, big spending, lots of money. Um, let's, let's take a trip to the other side of the moon and uh, let's go for cheap. And functional, functional is the key. So this one... Uh, Seth Whitaker uh, put up a post and actually he was looking uh, for some answers as to why his brake bias wasn't working with his setup. Now, I swear this guy spent more time on his graphic um, pointing out what all his <laughs> buttons did than he did actually putting this together. But kudos to him because what we're seeing here is it looks like it's a G27 wheel and he's taken his Xbox controller and flashed it. Lashed it absolutely using none other than to hold that on. You know what? I give a pass with no not seeing any duct tape on this because he's using twine, um, and, and that is just a great substitute. So if you got duct tape, you got drywall screws, and you got some twine, you can do just about anything you want. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, you got all the extra buttons that you need. Um, I, I I love it. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't use this because it's Xbox controller. I don't have one, but a PlayStation controller? Yeah, I could, I could rig that one up. So <laughs> I saw this, and you know what? I, I got a little inspired, and um, so I posted a picture of my button box. Um, I'm not sure if mine's actually redneck enough. Um, Wait, no. this is actually yours? You don't have any twine. I don't have any twine, but I do have drywall screws. <laughs> This is real life. Your button box. This is the one that I use. Um, Kudos to you, the, man. With with the uh, with the exquisite labeling system that I have, um, and I'll be honest, the ones that don't have any labels, uh, one of them is for right side tires, and I believe it's the one underneath the clear pit. Uh, the other two buttons, I don't even know if I programmed them. I might have. 
I may not have. I just kind of got lazy and was like, well, this works. I'm good. But, uh, yeah, um, this this one here was like, cost me, I think, a total of 23 or $24 Canadian. Uh, start to finish build, shipping, everything included. Um, it hasn't failed me. Could you at least cut the labels into like squares instead of? No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> hey, they're 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 square-ish. Square-ish. Okay. Yeah, they all got four corners. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, yeah. I I just love the twine. I mean, it. The he just basically lashes his Xbox controller to the front of his GS G twenty seven wheel with twine. Not just some not some nice string, but like frayed twine that you'd wrap a box in or something to ship. Like something you found on the side of the highway? Right. Down in the ditch? What I don't understand is the... I know he has it wrapped around the center part. What's the little part at the bottom? Like, why did he have to go underneath the rim? Stabilize it. I don't know, but it it just... <laughs> the, only, the only label he's missing on here is actually the label that it's an Xbox or the twine and stuff like that, just so that it's a complete build. Yeah, so the picture you're referring to for our audio listeners, he, he made a nice picture of the wheel, but... He took the time to label every single button on the controller and what its function is. And uh, it's a pretty impressive graphic, but I don't know about the, the controller thing. <laughs> I'm looking at his graph. So I actually use an Xbox controller as a button box, and you'd be surprised how many of these buttons are the map the same on mine. And I, I held my controller up. I was like, man, I'm on this, and it's tying it to the steering wheel. But unfortunately, my steering wheel just isn't big enough in the center. It just doesn't fit quite right. Well, the other problem is, I know I have a G27, and when you boot the computer, it spins to the left, it spins <laughs> yeah. to the right. What about the Xbox cable? I mean, how does that work? As long as he's got a, I guess as long as he's got enough leash on it, it probably isn't a huge problem. Got to have slack. <laughs> That's probably oh. the extra twine was. The controller went flying the first time he had it turned on. <laughs> So do you want to take, you know, that $250, $200 for a nice, pretty-looking button box or take that $200 and put it towards your next graphics card or, uh, you know, CPU, whatever whatever the case is? Um, This this is perfectly acceptable. I mean, (laughs) why not, right? This would be an interesting workaround if you bought a real-world wheel until you got your button box in. You could use this. Yep. Well, and you, you can, and you can get. Uh, I'm looking online here. An Xbox rim, you know. I guess it's thirty, thirty to fifty dollars Canadian, depending on what you want. So, you could get one of these. It's not really not as much as a button box. Oh, you mean the controller? No, that's a, that's not even an Xbox One controller. That's a 360 controller. You that's what I'm looking at. Here. It's, it's yeah, you can pick it up for nothing. Yeah, it's showing 26 Canadian. Sorry, that's probably have a buddy most of our listeners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's keep moving. Uh, let's talk about some league ev- events. Uh, Online Sim Racing Association. Tony Rochette uh, had major connection issues. No, uh, nothing new there. Tony, sorry, uh, you had a 30-something finish, uh, but Mason. Stiver, you got third with two stage wins. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good race. The one of my teammates in there, um, he was in lead, and and the guys outside of him squeezed him up. So they wrecked everyone in front of me, and I just went straight forward for the stage win. Uh, the other one, 
I had to stay out on fuel when we got the stage win there. And then uh, at the very end, I was coming up onto the the top two cars, and I had to decide who I was going to basically push to the win. I could go low or go high. So I uh, chose the high side and finished third. Yeah, I actually watched this race, and I watched uh, your ending of your event there. And you had damage too at that point, and you were still up there in the top five. And and like you said, you had to make a choice. Uh, you didn't have the track position; uh, they did, and it was all about who did, who were you going to pick to 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 push. And uh, you picked the guy on the outside, I believe, and yep. and uh, he won. Yeah, someone on pit road had uh, decided to drive into the side of my car or truck, rather. Right. All right, and then uh, Podium Esports, Street Stocks, Brent McCoy. Uh, tell us what's going on there. Yeah, we um, since we ended the podcast last week, I hadn't had a chance to watch the race from that uh, from the week before. Over the past week, I had a chance to get back out there and watch it. Uh, no, no race this week for the Street Stock Series, although there is a bunch of action going on. And if you're listening to the podcast live right now, check out the podium esports twitch page they're running the their elite standings in the a car which is the uh highest of high um strength of field for their cars just to give you a general idea on how popular i think this is getting their podium esports elite class a car strength of field 4769 for tonight at daytona so check that out they got a full uh 40 plus car field some of the uh, drivers that are in there, you got your pro guys, Logan Cam- Logan Clampett, Devin Sierra. Who else we got in here that I'm just going down the list, checking them out. Uh, wow, Michael Guest, all of those guys. Week. Yeah, it's pretty impressive the amount of drivers that they got that came up with this in the strength field. Even their uh, their silver division is like 2,500, I think I read. So the next street stock race for myself will be on the 23rd at Lanier. So looking forward to that in the next week, probably going to start practicing. So. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's get into final thoughts. Brent McCoy, what's up? Yeah, not a whole lot going on over my end. Again, just getting ready for this uh, 24. I've got a major series race coming up, I think, here in the next week or two for the 2.4 at Daytona Road side of things. So I'm also starting to work on that. All right, very good. Chris Scales, final thought. I want to give a shout-out to Jordan Worth and the, the bottom split night in America, guys. I ran in a uh, race at Daytona with them last night, kind of um, to shake the they ran to shake the bugs out before NIS starts up and uh, they start doing bottom split bottom split night in America again. But um, uh, I would definitely check them out uh, on Twitch. I, I believe he changed his name to just Bottom Split now, but uh, yeah, NIS season will be starting soon and check them out. Oh, and also I believe they're uh, having a Bud Shootout type of race before Daytona. I think they're going to run the um, trucks the week before the start of the season. So I guess around the 6th or so. It'll be uh, just like uh, NIS Open on a Wednesday night. Should be at uh, 9 Eastern, I believe, if Jordan doesn't get stuck in traffic again. Yeah, I forgot about that. I watched you and Tony Groves run that. And I got to say, Chris, you made some monster moves up front. Uh, to take the lead a couple times and led some laps there before you got taken out. Uh, Tony got taken out as well, but that's kind of expected since it is the bottom split. And then I was mortified at the end, the way the guy who won the race, he just took the guy out to win it. I mean, 
he was on the outside. They're coming to the checkered. He pushes, he's like side drafting the guy. So he's kind of pushing him down and the guy moves down. So the guy doesn't hit him and he gives him room, the guy in the bottom. And he keeps moving down and he keeps moving down and he gets down below the yellow as they're coming to the checker. And the guy on the outside just keeps pushing him down and eventually just takes him out and just hooks his bumper and puts him in the wall and wins the race. And I was just like, wow, that's how you win a race? Yeah, there was a lot of uproar after that. I listened to the stream, and I think they really didn't want the that race was for thirty bucks in iRacing credits, and I really don't think they wanted to give the guy the money. It's like, man, that was a dirty thing. Blatant. But yeah, yeah, it was absolutely. It was Blade. Just that, I mean, he like you said, the dude went all the way down the apron to avoid him and still gets wrecked. But you know, they didn't have any rules, and so he got his thirty bucks. But you know, he's gonna be racing those guys in NIS this year, and I don't think he made any friends. Nope. No well, friends. He's got to race them all the time now. If he's going to be racing that series, and you, and you ever you know who it is, right? Oh yeah, yeah. There's a a couple of guys that have uh, similar names that race very very much like that. <laughs> all right, Greg Hector's final thought. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to this week's race at uh, for the OBRL um, Old Bass Racing League because uh, I hope having teammates uh, Chris and Tony, and I think Justin's going to be there. Uh, we're at Daytona, so we're really going to have to work together uh, to get a finish out of this. Um, you know, I've moved into the top five in points, so that's good for the uh, last three races of the seasons if I can stay there and uh, race for the championship. Um, but, yeah, just looking forward to that. And uh, anybody that wants to follow me can uh, follow me on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash frozencactus. Uh, frozen with two O's, cactus with two K's. Uh, so I hope to see you guys out there and uh, wish us luck for uh, the OBRL on Monday. All right, get it. Uh, Mason Stiver, final thought. Yeah, I, I bought Rockingham this week because the A car is there. And uh, at first, I hated the place, but after running a, an open race there, it was a lot cleaner than I thought it would be. And uh, actually, it's growing on me. So Is it bumpy? Oh yeah, oh yeah. If you were in that rig, you'd be, you know, up and down. That going down the front stretch at Rockingham, it is up and down, up and down. It's like a roller coaster. Yeah. With that being said, I want to give a shout out to our uh, teammates here at Fosse Race, and you guys have been helping uh, me and Mason build these splits in the off season. I know he he and I we greatly appreciate it. So let's keep up the good work. Oh, yeah, you guys are doing a good job. You're doing the hard work, uh, so keep at it. That's a good practice for the season coming up. All right, uh, Tony Gross, final thought? Yeah, well, last last week I was, uh, I was really bummed out over my uh, my racing performance as of late. Um, and I, I, I really don't want to jinx myself, but uh, last week with, uh, you know, uh, not worrying about where I finished but how I raced, um, it really felt like I hit that. I was able to hit that reset button, so I'm really hoping I can continue that trend uh, going forward in the uh, in the old Bastards League. Um, and one other thing about that that uh, bottom split race we did last night was um, my actual finish, and I'll, I'll post it up on the um, on, on the iRacers Lounge Facebook page. The video that I shot, it's really crappy video because I just. Uh, pointed my phone at the screen. I didn't save the replay like a dummy. Um, but the uh, the amount of barrel rolls and hang time I got crossing the finish line and actually gaining a couple of spots in the end, um, it, it was a lot of fun, and I was kind of thankful I wasn't in VR for that. 
It's the hang time that was impressive. I think you you made it all the way across the entire front stretch on one bounce. <laughs> it sure felt like that. <laughs> I was just thinking if he was in that other one that moved around, that would have been an interesting flight. All right. Very good. My final thoughts. Uh, yeah, we got on Spotify last week. Uh, we got 40 downloads on Spotify so far. But the big number is uh, 11,000 is our number over the rolling last 90 days. And so when you measure podcast, it's measured over the last 90 days, uh, gross downloads. And we're at 11,000 on a rolling, continuous basis. And so I got to thank the listeners for that. That's as high as it's ever been, guys. So uh, please spread the word. Tell everybody about the podcast. When you're in a race, mention it to the other racers. There's a lot of new people, guys, uh, that need information. And we're the guys to bring it to them. So let them know. I would appreciate that very much. As far as my racing, I've been kind of mixing it up. I did some 24-hour testing, but I'm not doing as much as everyone else because I just, I'm just not a, really a practice guy. Uh, but I did do some. But I've been doing rallycross. I actually won a rallycross race last night. Uh, I'm feeling kind of competitive over there. I'm getting some finishes, uh, but it's been fun. I'm doing some SRF, uh, the Spec Racer Ford. I ran that at Laguna Seca. Um, finished third, I think. So not too bad. And this stuff, this random stuff, Delara Dash, Pickup Cup, and having fun. So typical off-season stuff. But I'm ready for NASCAR. I'm ready for the Daytona 500. Let's bring it. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.